Nicole Hemsoth, co-founder and co-editor and your host for today's episode. Our focus for today will be on stream processing and enterprise and how that's evolved in recent years. Here to talk about this is Nathan Trueblood. He's a veteran of companies like Mirantis, Western Digital, EMC. Uh, he has a background from UC Berkeley and he is now VP of Product Management at DataTorrent. That's a company that's comprised of a lot of ex-Yahooers and Hadoopers. Isn't that right, Nathan? That's absolutely right. <laughs> well, tell me about your background and how you came into the problem of streaming data and I'm sure uh, all the big data that we were dealing with before that was important, right? That's absolutely right. Thanks, Nicole. Um, yeah, I came into Yahoo uh, and together with some of the other uh, founders of DataTorrent, um, really came in to run product management for big data um, at Yahoo. But really, I came into that previously from high-performance computing and distributed computing and so forth. In fact, um, it's kind of amazing when I look at where stream processing is today because early in my career, we were you know, trying to process massive amounts of data and it would take us six months. You know, and now that same kind of thing takes place in you know, 60 milliseconds. Um, and so it's been quite amazing to see the journey. Um, and so you know, each, uh, each time we're sort of seeing how new technology or really you know, technology from high performance computing and supercomputing um, gets made accessible to the enterprise and then you know, new possibilities emerge. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's always an interesting trickle down. Uh, we have a lot of people from the HPC world that are listeners to this podcast, and of course, readers of the Next Platform. So, let's actually talk about some of the platforms that you worked with early on, uh, especially for stream processing, and and what some of the biggest revolutions in that have been that you've watched over the course of your career. Sure. So. I actually came into high-performance computing um, not as a supercomputing guy and not as a you know, sort of scientist or researcher. Um, actually, uh, at the start of my career, I was working in good old-fashioned you know, enterprise data processing. The problem was the technology we had couldn't handle the volumes of data and the complexity of the calculations we were trying to make. Um, and so at that time, we decided, oh, well, no problem. We'll just write a distributed system of our own. How hard could that be? Huh. <laughs> and it turned out it was really hard um, and consumed a lot of my company's effort when we were just trying to produce an answer, not write a distributed processing system. And so we started to look at high-performance computing. And what we realized was that in high-performance computing, there was tremendous power as long as you had a PhD and a postdoc in the technologies involved. And so what we sought out to do early in my career was make distributed processing and grid processing accessible. And if you look at what's happened with uh, big data, really each of these waves of innovation, whether we talk about cloud or talk about big data, comes down to making the high performance computing accessible to the enterprise. And so, you know, that's why I feel like a veteran of the buzzword wars, but I think to some extent that's why grid was initially a, a big mm -hmm. thing. It's because people figured out how to provide simple abstractions to software developers to give them more computing power than they'd had before. And with right. big data, with MapReduce, you know, we learned how to process massive amounts of data, again, with a simple abstraction that made it easier for uh, software developers to do things they, they couldn't do before. Mm -hmm. um, and then finally, you know, really looking at Yahoo, um, we got to the point with 
big data at Yahoo where we had you know 500 petabytes and 40,000 servers and we're producing tremendous insight from all the data about what people were doing on the website and so on and so forth. But there was always this constant pressure to produce insight faster. So once the business kind of got its appetite for insight, of course, then there was always this pressure to produce insight faster. And so first it was, that's amazing you produced insight from so much data. Uh, and then it was, can you produce it from yesterday? Can you produce it from the last hour? Can you tell me what's going on right now at scale from all the data? Um, and that's what really led to the early stream processing systems that, that we saw, you know, probably around 2010, 2011. It really came out of the fact that uh, there was this constant pressure to produce insight more quickly from, you know, events as they happen. Right. And, and at that time, too, and, and obviously a lot of your team there at Data Torrent is made up of uh, ex-Hadoopers. Um, do you feel still like Hadoop is, is up to the task of massive data processing? Um, it, we heard so much about it uh, starting about 2010 up to 2014 or so, and it's really kind of uh, the excitement around it died down. And But I'm not sure if the use, if the use cases have as much. So where, where do you think all that stands? Well, so I don't think uh, the excitement around big data and what's possible with big data obviously has gone away at all. Um, in fact, it's, you know, it, it pervades our lives all around us. And if anything, like you said, the, the use cases haven't gone away. Um, what I think we've seen is an evolution of the technologies that deliver those use cases. So, you know, for, for Hadoop, in the early days, there was MapReduce and batch processing. Um, but that eventually gave way to other abstractions that were easier to work with, um, things like what you see with Spark and, and so forth. Um, similarly, you know, in the early days, there were uh, some stream processing technologies like what we saw with Apache Storm and others um, that were really trying to solve the problem of you know, producing insight on events as they're created. So I don't think it's a case that big data or that... Um, you know, these, uh, these concepts are going away. It's really more that the technologies and the abstractions we make avail available to developers, particularly in the enterprise, are getting easier and getting more sophisticated. Um, and a lot of this is just natural evolution of technology because you start off with something in the early days, like with some of the early stream processors, where uh, developers had to do a lot more work to take advantage of what was possible. Um, and now as those abstractions have evolved and new technologies, it's really just, again, make, reducing the burden on the software developer, making the abstraction easier. So the use cases haven't changed, the data hasn't gone away, but I think we are making the abstractions easier for the enterprise. And if you look at what a lot of the discussion has been lately, there's been a lot of uh, chatter about Hadoop and about uh, big data in general. Um, relating to the complexity of producing the insight. So, you know, that is definitely the case, that enterprise is still uh, wrestling with how to get the most out of the technology. But I think you see that with every IT evolution, or at least uh, in my experience, there's a period of time where, uh, you know, it's challenging to adopt the technologies and make use of them. And I, I think that, you know, big data is going through, you know, a similar evolution. Um, and stream processing in particular is, is doing the same. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that, uh, is there more of a hardware or software bottleneck when it comes to what's next for stream processing? 
we obviously have a lot of compute available, um, but the I.O. <laughs> and data movement problem, I think it gets compounded when you're looking at real-time data streams, right? So is, is what you see ahead really a software problem or a hardware problem? Uh, I think the easy answer is probably a combination of both, but, but where do you see both of those, those angles? So great question. I think uh, what I've seen, and you know, I have a background in cloud and infrastructure uh, as well, is that the um, what we've done is we've made the networking so fast now that sort of the notion of compute and storage and memory is becoming a lot more flexible. Um, and so I think in the earlier days, we had a lot more limitation when it comes to the ability to move data around and to you know, run computation on it. So the hardware guys are doing a great job of kind of taking that off the table. Um, I think on the software side, some of the early approaches to stream processing uh, was kind of in the early days of some of the hardware development as well. So people tended to build their software abstractions that reflect the limitations of the hardware or just the sort of limited understanding of what the right architectures are for uh, stream processing in general. So the hardware has made things a lot easier. And I think, you know, together the software abstractions have evolved as well. But I think one of the cases where you see this is, um, you know, for example, one approach to stream processing has been to sort of take the batch processing paradigm where you pile data up and then you run some computation on it and you sort of do things in batches or micro batches. Um, that's a situation where the software abstraction um, has introduced an artificial limit. And that's evolved when you look at things like uh, Apache Storm or Apache Apex and others, you know, in particular Apache Apex and some of the newer stream processors don't have that batch processing architectural limitation. And so I think the software architectures have evolved to take more and more advantage of what's possible uh, in the hardware. And so now there are a handful of stream processors that have sort of overcome the architectural limitation and are able to produce insight from huge numbers of events with very low latency. Um, and so you know, to me, all indications are uh, we're really only just getting started on what's possible there. Um, it's mm -hmm. kind of a virtuous circle between the data processing and what the cloud guys are doing. You know, those two things are evolving together. Right. Uh, just a, a bit of a silly question here. Do you think that Storm and Apex and those batch limitations are just a result of having a Hadoop legacy or Hadoop roots? Is, is that so or did that evolve for other reasons? No, I think it's absolutely a, a legacy issue. Um, I think that uh, you know all of us who came up in enterprise data processing, uh, sort of the batch processing paradigm was kind of the only one out there. Um, the the architectures that did distributed in-memory stream processing were pretty limited in sort of, they were hard to use and the use cases were very focused and very sort of HPC oriented. But, you know, Storm was an example of an early abstraction um, that started to give regular developers uh, access to what only the HPC guys were able to do before. Mm -hmm. And what you see is this evolution and now, you know, Apache Apex uh, and others are taking that abstraction even further, uh, you know, as, as we sort of 
say goodbye to the batch processing paradigm altogether. Mm -hmm. Let's move the conversation out to a slightly higher level here. Um, how have the use cases for stream processing evolved? I, I remember um, over a decade ago, it was a big deal in financial services. I know that hasn't changed. Um, the technologies have evolved, but where else has this really exploded? And, and what do you see ahead in terms of use cases? Yeah, and it's funny. I was there in sort of the early days of grid um, and distributed processing in financial services, and you know, sort of these uh, classic examples of algorithmic trading and so on and so forth. Um, and I think, you know, financial services is one of those interesting places where uh, there's a pretty clear line between converting what's possible with high-performance computing into money. Like those guys, more than a lot of other businesses, have figured out how to apply HPC, um, you know, to make better decisions about managing risk and, and making more money. Imagine where, that. <laughs> uh, yeah, imagine that. So there's a, there's a really good uh, correlation there. Hmm, if I apply this technology, I can make more money. But uh, the use cases have gotten really interesting because, you know, in the early days at Yahoo!, um, the use cases were things like, of course, you know, with, with big data in general, you know, just understanding what people are doing on the website, being able to count clicks, being able to understand what ads to serve to people and, and so forth. Um, those were some of the early use cases. And so I think, you know, five years ago, six years ago, people would say, well, stream processing, it's sort of for what's trending now or for, you know, ad tech and so forth. Um, but now, what we're seeing the use cases have gotten really interesting because it all comes down to, uh, you know, the buzzwords now are digital transformation. But to me, it all comes down to the more responsive I can be to my customers or changing business conditions, then I'm going to be more competitive. And so if I can instrument my business, instrument my customer, uh, and figure out how to be more responsive to changing conditions, then I'm going to win. And so what we see as the use cases expand is more and more businesses using streaming analytics to either make money or save money. So for example, you know, we see things like more and more ways that uh, stream processing is being used for things like, you know, product and service recommendations or content personalization, where that's now taking place in real time, you know, using all the innovation in data science and machine learning. So Content personalization, all that is, is one big area. We see a ton of stream processing in areas like fraud prevention and risk management uh, and so forth. We see a ton of use cases in things like uh, improving operational efficiency. So being able to detect or really detect and predict where a trend is going in your business and being able to do something about it ahead of time. So it's kind of funny because oftentimes when I talk to people about stream processing, their initial take is, oh, well, that's really for only a very narrow set of use cases. And yet um, no business ever said, you know, well, uh, I'm, I'm okay with stale data or with yesterday's insight. And so uh, it's kind of amazing now because now that the abstractions have gotten easier, uh, the use cases are kind of exploding. Um, and once a customer does one use case, like for example, um, I'm going to instrument everything about how my customers are interacting with my business across all the different channels, point of sale, mobile and web and so forth. Well, once I have an up-to-date picture, up to the second picture of what my customers are doing, that gives me tremendous opportunity to serve them better. And so, you know, customer 360 has become another buzzword, but it's all about uh, the more I know about my customer up to the second, the more I can empower them 
and the more they're, they're likely they are to choose my products and services because they're more responsive. Mm-hmm. How how are most of these newer use cases or emerging use cases and recommendation and personalization? Um, what are the deployment models? I mean, are they are, are most of these cloud based, uh, or a lot of them seeing value in on prem just because of that little bit of latency that they they can shave off, or or is that mostly just a more high performance computing use case where they care about that hit of of latency? So uh, there's I don't think there's one simple answer to that question. I think it kind of depends on the size of the the enterprise, um, and what I mean by that is. A lot of the customers that we deal with at Data Torrent are very large enterprises, and they recognize that there's tremendous value in the data assets that they have, and so they can't necessarily go to one cloud provider. Um, I think in the more sort of medium-sized businesses, cloud is a great option because you get that you know immediacy of the platform and the data processing and the services that are available there. But for us, for the large customers, they tend to have uh, data they can't put all up in the cloud and they also have a latency issue. Um, And so we are seeing most of our customers adopting kind of a hybrid model where they run some of the workload on premises um, where the latency really matters and they may run some of the data services up in the cloud where perhaps they want to take advantage of things like the you know, Azure Event Hub or Amazon's Kinesis where they want to take advantage of those data services mm-hmm. that may be closer to the edge um, but ultimately want to be able to serve their customers from what's running on their premises. Sure, that makes sense. That's that's always a tough decision, I think, uh, deciding where to put it. Mm -hmm. There is a tendency for people to think, well, everything is going to the cloud, and I think that's uh, a huge amount of that is true, Um, but I think for the kinds of data processing use cases that we see, um, it's going to be hybrid for a long time. Mm-hmm. For for those who deploy on premises, do they often have? Are these just like kind of commodity clusters that they take software and plunk it down, or do they have actual appliances for this? To what extent are they investing on the hardware side in stream processing? So for us, uh, we see most of the time that we're running on top of the big data infrastructure our customers have already, which is typically you know commodity. Uh, hardware and software. I mean, and that's kind of the result of a lot of the innovation that's happened over the last few years in big data in general, is that um, people are running things on commodity hardware. Having said that, depending on the use case, there are plenty of examples where a more you know converged appliance where the a lot of the guesswork around making sure that the networking fabric is there and the storage is there. We see lots of customers who want to consume in that model just because it's easier for them to consume and they're guaranteed to get an outcome from their investment much more quickly. So if they already have infrastructure, it's typically commodity, but if they're getting you know newly into it, we see a lot of interest in the sort of mm-hmm. converged appliance approach. I don't think there's, from our perspective, um, you know, any particular advantage uh, unique to stream processing from the hardware side of things. So in other words, whether it's stream or batch processing or other workloads, it all comes down to uh, having a lot of compute and memory and fast storage available, you know, close together. Balance probably being more important than just sheer horsepower. That's right. <laughs> right. That's right. Very good. Um, how how will machine learning change stream processing? Will it integrate with it? Will it compete with it? Will it? Uh, how how does this work? You know, how does this fit in? 
great question. It's funny. Uh, so there is, of course, a ton of machine learning and artificial intelligence innovation happening right now. Um, so we're we're entering, of course, a new and exciting, uh, a new era of buzzwords, I guess, is what I was going to say. But yes. <laughs> as it relates to stream processing, and in particular to stream and batch processing, um, you know, the, the two are, are completely linked and dependent on each other. Um, you can't train models and develop algorithms unless you have big data, you know, processing and have abstractions. And increasingly, you can't really deliver on the innovation that all the data scientists are doing there unless you have a way to deliver that innovation in the form of a use case. So what I mean by that is your data scientists might develop a model, or frankly, they're going to be developing a lot of different models using all the innovation. But if you're going to power something for the enterprise, if you're going to deliver some kind of a business outcome, that model has to be operationalized, and usually that means in some kind of a stream processing application. So to make that you know concrete, uh, all the time we see customers who come to us who are trying to solve a particular use case. They have the data, they have the data scientists, and the challenge is, you know, how do I select the right stream processor and make the uh, the, the process of delivering the use case easier? Right. Right. Um, integrating all of that, I'm sure, is worth a discussion in itself. I'm sure that's a technical hurdle. We have a couple minutes left here. Just let's finish off by talking about what DataTorrent is. So uh, over the years I've covered it, and you have, I'm sure, uh, uh, read about and studied several other big data platforms for stream processing and um, just processing in general for big data sets. What do you do? What what makes it different? Why is it important right now based on all the things we just talked about? So uh, first and foremost, you know, DataTorrent is a software company and uh, our product makes it easy for our enterprise customers to assemble, develop, and deliver streaming analytic applications. Um, so that's what we do. Uh, a lot of what's important about what we do or really how we do it comes out of our experience over the last you know 10 years but in particular at yahoo where um, we recognize that there's a tremendous amount of innovation that's happening in open source in machine learning uh, in ai and so forth and so enterprises see that there's a tremendous opportunity to to tap into that innovation but what we also see is it's challenging to deliver the use cases. And so what we are doing at DataTorrent is striking a balance in that we uh, are very thoughtful about the open source technologies that we bring into our platform. In other words, we're pretty prescriptive. There's a lot of things that are out there um, that customers have to choose from, but sometimes a lot of choice is actually not necessarily the good th a good thing if you're not experienced. So. We're very prescriptive about what our customers need from an open source innovation perspective. And then the other thing that we're really focused on is making the technology accessible and operable. And by that, I mean, uh, our customers don't have the um, luxury of waiting a year and a half to ship new use cases, and they need to put things into production. We had a lot of experience at Yahoo watching what it takes to run things at scale of 40,000 servers, and uh, you, know, you can't mess around there. So a lot of what we do in our platform is, frankly, making the open source accessible by making it easy for developers to develop applications, and then making it operable at scale. 
and it's kind of funny because it's it's not as exciting to talk about that stuff because I'm not talking about the cutting edge innovation, uh, but it's absolutely essential for our customers to be able to get into production and get outcomes. And so it's kind of a funny thing because everyone's talking about machine learning and AI, and we are too, but the real value is can you deliver it into production and run your business to either drive revenue or drive efficiency? Right. Uh, actually, all that stuff is is cutting edge because that's where it came from originally. So so we we see the roots, we'll put it that way, in what you right. do. Well, I like to joke that, you know, uh, today's enterprise computing is, you know, yesterday's supercomputing or high-performance computing. The difference is making it accessible. And so what we're doing at DataTorrent is working to make all that cool stuff accessible so that enterprise can get advantage. Very good. Well, Nathan Trueblood, again, uh, from DataTorrent, thanks for taking time to walk us through the evolution of stream processing issues again. Thanks a lot, Nicole. I enjoyed the conversation. And everyone, thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Have a great day.